Blog Talk Radio. And I Massachusetts. And we came up here, moved up here. We found a place 
actually just a mile away from where I work in Springfield, Mass. And Don stayed home during the day, and he, he did very well. He was an avid exerciser, and he ate well, and he was very, very healthy, um, did everything that he was supposed to do, and he did well for a long time. The girls were in school. I was right around the corner at work, so I could be there if I needed to be at a moment's notice. And um, I took care of him for, I, I can't remember how many years now, but until I could no longer safely take care of him at home. And then with the help from both Yukon and Jimmy Pollard, I was able to move him into a facility called the Village at Laurel Lake up in the Berkshires. And I had seen that place, and they had a Huntington's disease unit, which was touted as one of the best in in certainly our area. So I was very happy. I mean, of course, I wasn't happy to move him, but I was happy that we had a place that could handle a Huntington's disease patient because, as you know, that's such a – huge issue. It's extremely um, rare. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's just, you know, in looking back, we were fortunate in that we had some place. It was an hour away. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I, you know, thank God we had seven years together before children, so we were able to live our life. Um, And then we had many good years with children, Um, but that was by far the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And the girls and I would just visit him every weekend. We'd take him to dinner. We'd go shopping. We'd go to the movies. Um, and we he did very, very well there. Um, and, you know, life went on as what was our new normal. And then, and then a couple of years later, um, diagnosed with juvenile Huntington's disease. She was my youngest. And I thought, oh, my God, what, what on earth am I, what, what is going on? Um, she had been a handful from the word go. She was a what everybody called a spirited child. Um, she was on the go from the word go, and um, she struggled in school. She was diagnosed with ADHD. She was given meds, et cetera, et cetera. And the more I learned about juvenile Huntington's disease, um, I had a suspicion that something more was going on. And in reality, I was thinking the um, diagnosis of ADHD might have been a misdiagnosis. So uh, I, with, all her, with all her issues in school, um, she actually had undergone a psychosocial evaluation. And the last thing that the psychologist had told me was that her behavior might possibly be due to juvenile Huntington's disease. And you can only imagine after that, I went home and fell apart. And um, I, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even fathom that this was, was, was about to happen. And, um, I, you know, I, I didn't even know what to do at that point, but somehow I got my gumps back together and, and, started researching and uh, got her seen by the Center of Excellence down in Boston. And by the time I got her there, uh, her neurologist didn't even have to do a blood test and she uh, was able to clinically diagnose her. So uh, that was 
yeah, that was Meg's diagnosis. And that was when she was 10 years old. Um, I do have another daughter. She's older. Um, she's currently 21, so she's she's at risk as well. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, as you know, follow you on Facebook and, um, get updates, you know, because we've worked together and things like that. And, um, I just, I remember some of the different things that you would post about Meg and, you know, she, she definitely fought a brave battle with JHD. That's, that's for sure. And, and her smile and, you know, everything, everything that she brought to, um, to awareness in such a beautiful form, though the disease is, you know, not that I know, but the disease is just awful. And, um, her smile was always just the brightest on my feed, you know, and it still is because I still, her pictures still pop up. Um, I do, I, I know you touched on some of this about, you know, um, HD and JHD, but what were some of the challenges that were different from, um, like, an adult HD patient, um, the differences between HD and JHD that they have faced? Yeah, they, they are two totally different monsters, um, and they both are monsters. Um, with juvenile Huntington's disease, th- there's pain. Unfortunately, there's a lot of pain um, for many of the kids. And in spite of all of this, these kids, for the most part, still have smiles on their faces. Because if you look at a lot of these kids, they are still smiling. You see videos of them. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but it, it, it's, it's God's tender mercy or something. But these kids are smiling they are happy in spite of everything they're going through. And it's, it just amazes me. And Meg's smile could light up a room. Um, I, I don't care what that girl was going through. She always had a smile. You could always make her laugh. And that was something that I would fight for every day with her. She, um, you know, she, what happened with her was she was going along all right, and one day she got to the top of the stairs. She had been um, using a stair lift, a stair chair, and um, she was very impatient, as a lot of them are, and she was trying to get off the lift herself, and she fell, she fell down the stairs. And that kind of started everything that started the whirlwind, the spiral downward, and we just kept going down from there. Um, so we had problems with headaches, and we had problems falling all the time. We had skin ulcers. We had, you know, she wasn't sleeping. She was incessantly itchy, and, and I know that's a huge one with the JHD population because I've gone around and around with several of the other moms on Facebook with the itching and nobody can seem to figure this, this piece out, whether it's neuropathy in their limbs or what's going on. Um, but the, the difference between the adult and the, the child is that it, it just seems like there's, there's so much, so much changing in the child that 
there either isn't medicine or they can't keep with, you know, it's constantly changing. So their medicine needs to constantly change. And it's basically, I think, just a guess based upon, you know, the research, the little research that is done or what might even have worked in an adult that would possibly work if it's safe in a child. So that's the frustrating part is that there's not really much out there with juvenile Huntington's disease. And um, that's why I started a foundation in Meg's memory because I vowed that I would try to help anyone and try to help the researchers by sending money off to them um, in any way that I could to try to, to, to battle this disease as much as I could, especially juvenile. I mean, we have the Huntington's Disease Society of America that works on HD, but as many people are probably aware, there is little to nothing out there for juvenile Huntington's disease. Right. And, you know, to touch on that a little bit, I I don't have anyone in my family with JHD, but I have with, um, obviously, HD in my family. And resources and uh, just help and knowledge is rare for me to find in my area for adult Huntington's. I just cannot imagine what would happen if it was, juvenile Huntington's I just I don't it's just it's unfortunate it's very unfortunate it's worse than unfortunate it's just it's not right it needs to be spread around and be told and taught and brought awareness to and that's exactly what what you were doing um and so you know I know that like me I know that the JHC community has built a great online support system among families affected by JHC um in your area are there I know you've kind of gone over some of these, but um, have you found resources for patients and families affected by JHD? And so basically, like, do you know how this is in comparison to other parts of the country? Do you feel like you have more or less than compared to the rest of the country or other parts of the country? Um, Honestly, uh, I get I got the, most of my support from the online group and other moms that were experiencing same or similar issues with their children and what their doctors or neurologists were doing, and we would uh-huh. discuss it with Meg's, Meg's neurologist. Um, I don't know if there's any one part of the country that might be better off. I I know the University of Iowa with Pegnopolis and all those folks are doing a lot of research, so I don't know if people in that area are better off. Um, I know our Center of Excellence in Boston is really good, but I don't know, honestly, how many children they see. I'm on the board of directors for the Massachusetts chapter in Massachusetts, and honestly, I don't know of any other juvenile Huntington's disease patient in Massachusetts um, or even, even in this area. So I, um, I I really got most of my my support online and then took it back to her neurologist, and we would go from there. Wow. I mean, sometimes technology really does get in the way, and other times it's just it's amazing what it brings to our fingertips and to 
you know, to comfort and to educate and things like that. I'm just, I'm really glad that for our generations, at least, that it's available. Um, so tell us a little bit about the foundation that you created in Meg's memory. I know you kind of touched on it, but a little more. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it, was, it, it came about um, a few friends and myself. I don't know if we were talking one night or we were throwing around ideas, but um, we all thought about fundraising and then came up with the idea of starting a foundation in her memory. And one of my friends had a lawyer um, that, that she was related to, and, and it just kind of grew from there, and we all were on board. You know, I have a printer on my board. I have um, just everybody who was somehow involved in Meg's life had come together and said, we want to do this and we need to do this. Um, and we, within a couple of months, had had come together with um, a 501c3, which is a nonprofit agency or a nonprofit um, corporation. And um, our our big thing every year is to do one very large fundraiser, and um, and we have raffles this year every year we expand on it a little more um and this was actually the second year dixie jump i apologize that was meg's service dog and she's driving me mental right now so that's just a little <laughs> sidebar there going. sorry sorry she was whining um <laughs> yes yes she, she needed to be up here with me i don't know she must know what i'm talking about um, but anyhow, so this year we opened it up. We, not only do we have lots of raffles, but we had silent auctions this year that included trips and an African safari. And um, it, 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 it just, it has grown, and I just see it growing more and more because the more people talk about it every year, it just seems to keep growing, and I have a great band. Um, my friend is in a band, so every year he has played for us, and we have food and dancing, and, you know, the little kids this year were really into it, and it's it's just, it's, um, I don't know, I kind of like to think of it as a time to celebrate her life, but also do a really good thing and know that we're raising money and we're raising it for a good cause. So that's our that's our one big annual um, fundraiser that we do, and then throughout the year um, we'll hold things here and there. And I also, uh, you know, have a couple of little um, side businesses, if you will, that contribute a little bit each month um, to the account that I have in her name. Oh, nice, nice, very cool. Um, and then, so after you've done the large fundraising event and your smaller events throughout the year, um, how are those? This year I spread it out just a little bit. Um, I always have, have used a large chunk of the funds to go out to the research that UC Davis is doing um, with the stem cells. And, and what they're doing yeah. now with the juvenile population, which I think is huge. 
in which I think everybody is waiting with bated breath to see what's happening with it. Um, mm-hmm. so, so Jan Nolta and Kyle Fink get a very large portion of the funds. Um, I sent some down to Meg's neurologist at the Center of Excellence this year um, for her research that she does. And then I actually have some, and I've um, had some had one specific request over the holiday um, to help um, a JHD child with um, an iPad that needed to be replaced. And um, it's to be able to help this, this other person that asked me to help out to replace it, if that makes sense. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm doing. Uh, yeah, I'm trying, I'm, I'm helping those that, you know, don't have the wherewithal to get the, the services and or equipment that they need if I can in any way. Right. And with, with children who have JHD and when they're, mobility is um, hindering some of the things that they would like to be doing. I'm sure an iPad is something that they found great value and comfort in. So that's, that's really awesome that you guys were able to do that. <clears throat> yeah, that was, that, that made my Christmas this year actually. And, and I know it made theirs and, um, and it was for her speech. So it wasn't even just something for her to use, but it it, it was oh, it was what? the way she com- it was the way she communicated. Yeah, really, that's really special. That's really really special. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm very I'm very honored to be the one interviewing you today. I just feel like, um, you know, through some really hard times, you've really found an exceptional way of of honoring your daughter and um, bringing attention to JHD as we all know is needed. Um, um, And thank you for being on the show today. I just, I wanted to see if there was any last thoughts that you'd like to share with us. Um, You know, Katrina, and this is what I tell everybody because they always wonder how I can continue to go on after, you know, what I've been through and the way that I go on is, is to give to others and to help others. And that's what I live for these days. It just, it makes me feel really good to be able to help those that need it. And, um, and honestly, that's, that's what I do. And and that's what I'm made of. And um, I'm, I'm here and willing and, and available to talk to anybody. I have people reach out to me on Facebook all the time. And my, I think my, I think um, anybody can reach out to me, but um, I've met wonderful people at the convention. I've met people, you know, just through Facebook that I've just talked to and we become friends and we, you know, talk all the time, but because that's the way I made it through, you know, I just feel strongly that I want to be available to those people as well. Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful thing, Kinzer. Um, I hope oh, to see you. you soon and out in Massachusetts, but I really do hope to see you soon. Um, and again, mm-hmm. and you guys can all find Kinzer on Facebook, um, and she is just a wealth of knowledge and resource. And um, I, I hope you guys reach out to her. So thank you so much, Kinzer, for sharing your You're time welcome. and life story. 
We appreciate Thank having you. you on. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too. And everyone, thanks for listening today to uh, Kinder's story. Um, as you all know, JHB is um, something that needs much awareness and as much awareness as possible. Um, we thank her for her work. It's very important to the JHB community, and we appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, everyone have a safe night. We will talk to you guys all soon. Thank you. Thank you.